Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in. Well, good morning. I'm thankful that you're here today, and I'm thankful for the Lord's word that we can go to. And I want us to go to a couple different passages of scriptures today. If you'll turn to Hebrews chapter 11, and then also if you'll find your place in Genesis 32, Hebrews chapter number 11, and then Genesis chapter 32. I appreciate all those that are serving today, and uh, so many people that volunteer and make our church a special place. And I'm so thankful for you. There's many that are out of this room right now teaching Sunday school classes, nurseries. Many came in early this morning to prepare. Those that are working in the sound booth in the back. I'm I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful that you allow yourself to, to use your gifts to serve the Lord. I know the Lord's pleased with that as well. Also tonight, I'm looking forward to the time that we'll have together. Uh, at our home gatherings, and I uh, want to thank want to thank those that are using their homes to uh, allow us to gather. And uh, I know that um, there's a lot of work. I know a lot of wives are frantically getting ready for all the guests that are coming tonight. And so, thank you so much for opening your homes and being a blessing to our church family. Hebrews chapter number eleven, verse number twenty-one. The Bible says this: By faith, Jacob when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshiped. I want you to take special note to a phrase that we find here in this verse, uh, at the end of this verse, leaning upon the top of his staff. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning upon the top of his staff. That phrase um, is an interesting phrase, leaning upon the top of his staff. Why would that be? here as it's describing uh, Jacob in Hebrews chapter 11. We know Hebrews chapter 11 is the faith chapter. It's the hall of faith. It's the place that we find um, a list of Old Testament believers, those that have lived for the Lord, those that have sacrificed, and um, patriarchs of the faith. And Jacob is mentioned there. And Jacob is um, mentioned, and again, I want you to just mark, leaning upon the top, of a staff. I want you to go, if you would please, to Genesis chapter 22 as well. Genesis chapter 22 and find your place there. Keep your, keep your spot there in Hebrews. We'll go back there at the end of the service. I want to bring all this together today. Jacob is one of the fathers, the patriarchs of, of Israel. He is the Later, his name will be changed to Israel, and he's the father, one of the fathers of of this nation of Israel. This nation of Israel is a special nation. It's one that God, through Abraham, there was a promise, a covenant that was made, that through his seed, the, the Messiah would come. So through the seed of Jacob, Jesus Christ is going to come, and he's going to give his life so that you and I could be redeemed back to God. This is this Jacob. Jacob is uh, a twin. He has 
Esau, his brother, from the very beginning of Jacob's birth, as, as uh, uh, he was being born, he is, he is fighting. He's fighting to, to, uh, to be first. All through Jacob's life, and as we read through the Bible, you would find where Jacob is striving for the blessing, the birthright. He's, the, the word Jacob itself means con artist or, or deceiver. And Jacob lives his life deceiving. He lives his life for a period of time in deception. Or you could say this of Jacob, Jacob is just self-sufficient. Everything that Jacob needs, Jacob is going to uh, dig within himself to find. Jacob doesn't need anyone else. Jacob just needs Jacob. And self-sufficiency is, is not a virtue, but rather it's, it's a vice. And I want to preach today on this topic of self-sufficiency. It's, for many of us, we need to learn that leaning on Christ is the answer, not leaning upon ourselves. And really this lesson today, this message really goes back and is a part of the messages I've preached the last two weeks, starting with the life of Job and then looking last week at David out of the book of Psalms. And many of us come into this problem in life because we are self-sufficient. We say that we need God. We'll utter those words, but we live our lives in such a way where we are always the one that's making the decisions that we think that we need to make. We're dependent upon ourselves, And God is working on us to make us what he wants us to be. The moment that you're saved, God begins to do a work inside of your life. And we're not to live our life to where we are self-sufficient, but God desires for us to be relying upon him in who he is. And so we find that Jacob is a con artist. But God is working on Jacob, and God is going to make Jacob a, a father of a great nation. And God is working on you, and as God is working on, on me as well. And God desires us to uh, come to a place where we are totally dependent upon him. So I want you to, I want you to listen closely to this message today. And the question I want you to ask yourself today is, are you totally dependent upon God? Are you totally dependent upon God? How's your faith? Are you, are you striving to know God's will or are you self-sufficient depending upon your strength? Because God desires us to be dependent upon him. I want to read a verse for you in Philippians chapter one in verse number six. You could write this down in your notes. The Bible says this, being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. He that, has, he that has began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. None of us are where we ought to be, but we will be or can be only through the help of Christ, through help of God. And so are you self-sufficient today? Jacob deceived his father for the blessing. Jacob tricked his brother for the, the birthright. And then we find in the book of Genesis that Jacob has to flee from his family because now his brother Esau wants to bring vengeance against him or, or possibly even kill him for what he's done. He's tricked him. 
Once Esau now has realized you tricked me for my birthright, and then you deceived our father and, and you received the blessing. Now Esau is, is angry and upset. And, and so Jacob and his mother plot a, a, a plan for him to, to leave and go live with her parents or her siblings or uh, her family back where his mother is from. And so for nearly 20 years, Jacob is in the school of hard knocks. And God is teaching Jacob something about deception, and he's teaching Jacob something about honesty. And Jacob goes and begins to live with Laban, his uncle, and, and he's deceived and tricked by Laban on several different ways. One is even with his wife. He, he works for uh, uh, seven years and thinking he's going to get one of Laban's daughters, and Laban tricks him on his wedding night and gives him the other daughter. And now Jacob has to work again, to, uh, to marry the, the one that he loved. And all through that relationship with Jacob and his uncle Laban, Laban is, is really giving Jacob uh, a dose of what Jacob is. Laban is deceiving him in a con artist, and Jacob is realizing what he is and what he's done and the hurt that he's caused to his family. Now, I want us to just think about this today as we look at this passage of scripture and this thought of self, self-sufficiency, that we must learn how to cease from our self-sufficiency and depend upon God. We've got to come to a place in our Christian life where we recognize God and God alone is what we need, that we can't add anything to this. God is mighty and God is, is right and God is holy and God knows what is best for our life. And when we come to the place where we think we know what's best, harm is always going to come. And so let's look at Genesis chapter 32. And uh, we'll pick up reading in verse number one, Genesis chapter 32. In verse number one, and Jacob went on his way and the angels of God met him. Jacob, Jacob is, is going to meet Esau. He's now left Laban, and Laban has let him go. He's going to meet Esau. Esau, after 20, almost a little over 20 years now, is, is going to see Jacob, and Jacob is afraid that Esau is going to kill him. He's afraid of what Esau thinks. And so Jacob goes on his way uh, from Laban, and, and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's host. And he called the name of that place Mahanaim. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, and under the land of Seir, the country of, of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, thus shall you speak unto my lord Esau. Thy servant Jacob saith, unto, uh, saith thus, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed there until now. And I have oxen and asses, flocks and manservants and woman servants. And I have sent to tell my Lord that I may find grace in thy sight. I want you to write this down. Our first point I want us to see today that God in this area of self-sufficiency, God will protect you, but God is not going to enable you to be self-sufficient. God is going to protect you, but God is not going to enable us to be self-sufficient. God's plan for our lives is for us to be totally dependent upon him. Now, here we find in Genesis chapter 32, Jacob sees these angels. 
He realizes that he has had an angel escort protecting him. He realizes that that what he couldn't see, now God has opened his eyes and Jacob's able to see into this, to the uh, spiritual realm. And he sees these angels that they've always been there. Jacob just hasn't been able to see them. I believe as well today, there is a spiritual realm and there's angels that are all around us. I'm not saying that in some spooky way. I just believe what the Bible says. There's things, a realm that we can't see as human beings. That realm exists. And here in Genesis chapter 32 is evidence that that angel, that that spiritual realm exists. And God opens up Jacob's eyes and Jacob sees there are angels all around him. And I thank God for protecting us. Even when we don't deserve it, like Jacob here who has deceived and Jacob who has uh, done wicked and Jacob who has spent the last uh, uh, all of his life up to this point being a deceiver and a con artist, God is still protecting him. These angels are still around him. And even though God was protecting him, he wasn't going to allow Jacob, though, to live in his own strength. God was going to do something in Jacob's life that would cause Jacob to realize that Jacob doesn't have the answers, that Jacob does not have the strength in himself, that Jacob cannot be self-sufficient, that he needs God. And I believe oftentimes that God will do the same in our lives. He'll bring us to a place in our lives. He's protecting us, but he's not going to allow us or enable us to be self-sufficient. He's going to protect you from this harm, but he's not going to let you decide what's best for your life. So God intervenes. And here in Genesis chapter number 32, God begins to intervene in the life of Jacob to get Jacob to understand that he can no longer rely upon himself. He needs God. In church, I believe this, for each and every one of us, there's a... There's a potentially a circumstance in our life or events in our life that God will allow. He allows for us to understand that he's not going to let us go on our own. As a child of God, he's not, he is not uh, uh, interested in you living your life for you. God is interested in you living your life for the glory of Jesus Christ. And we can only live a life for the glory of Jesus Christ dependent upon God in his help. And so as we're seeing this this passage unfold, as we'll be here in Genesis 32, I want you to see just a page over in your Bible, Genesis 31, verse number 24. The Bible says this, And God came to Laban the Syrian in a dream by night and said unto him, Take heed that thou speak not to Jacob either good or bad. He says, I don't want you to deal with Jacob in a good way, and I don't want you to deal with him in a bad way. You know what he's saying to Laban? Don't help him, but don't hurt him. Don't help him, but don't hurt him. You see, God's going to protect Jacob, but he's not going to enable Jacob to be self-sufficient. God is protecting Jacob, but he he isn't going to remove Jacob from these problems. Because it's in these problems that Jacob is going to realize that he does not have the strength to live for God in himself. And the same thing is often true in our lives, that God is going to protect us. 
But God is also not going to remove us from every problem because in those problems is when we recognize we don't have the answers, only God does. So sometimes, friends, sometimes we have problems. Sometimes we might have sorrows. Sometimes we go through difficulties and we might wonder, why is God allowing these things? And many a times it's because God wants you to understand you can't live this life in your strength. You need him. The most dangerous thing for a believer is to try to live his life in his own strength, absent from God's help. It's dangerous. I want you to see, follow along with me if you'll see, I want you to see a pattern here in Jacob's life. Jacob, in verse number three, he sends these messengers before he gets to Esau. He says, I want you to go find my brother Esau, and I want you to, I want you to come to him, and I want you to say this, thus shall you speak unto my Lord Esau. My servant Jacob saith thus, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed there until morning. I have ox and asses and flocks and manservants and uh, woman servants. And I've sent to tell my Lord that I might find that I might find grace in thy sight. I want you to see here is the the really an, an inside look at Jacob's heart. He's deceptive. He's manipulative. He's always got an angle. He's always using his deception and his wit and his wisdom. He's always looking at himself to try to find an angle to get what he wants. This has always been his plan. He had an angle to get the birthright. He had an angle to get the, the uh, blessing. He, uh, he was a trickster. He was a deceiver. And all these years later, we find something that he's still doing the same thing. He sends... Jacob sends out his servants to Esau in verses three through five. And you know what he's using here? He's using flattery to try to get his way. Here's Jacob who has deceived Esau. There's no respect for Esau. If he respected Esau, he wouldn't have tried to deceive and take from Esau what rightfully belonged to Esau. But he didn't respect Esau. But now he's flattering Esau. He says, go before him. And, and when you see him, you know, bow before him. And my Lord, my, my Jacob sent us and said to you, my Lord, he's, he's using flattery to try to, to appeal to Esau. Then I want you to see this in 6, and eight, six through 80. says this, uh, he sends his messengers they returned to Jacob saying, we came to thy brother Esau and also he cometh to meet thee and 400 men with him. Now Jacob's afraid. They said, we did exactly what you said. And Esau is now on his way and he's bringing 400 people with him. And instead of Jacob, instead of Jacob uh, 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 just submitting himself and, and, and following the Lord, Jacob now is afraid. And the Bible says he was in verse seven, he's greatly afraid and distressed. So what does he do? He uses strategy. First, he uses flattery. Now he uses strategy, and he starts dividing up his things, trying not to lose everything. Look, the Bible says this, and he divided the people that were with him and the flocks and the herds and the camels into two bands and said, if Esau come to the one company and smite it, then the other company which is left shall escape. And so now he's using his mind. He's using his own strength. He's depending upon himself. He said, I'm going to flatter him. If that doesn't work, now I'm going to use a strategy to beat him. And then I want you to see something. After this is done, 
Jacob said this in verse 9. Oh, Jacob said, O God, my father, Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which saith unto me, Return unto the country of thy kindred, and I will deal with thee. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and all of the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servants. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now I am become two bands. Verse number 11, deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau. For I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. I want you to see something here. Jacob's way of dealing with things, he flatters, he strategizes, and then you find him praying. But you know what's so interesting? Prayer was his last resort. Flattery was his first resort. Then if that doesn't work, let's strategize. And if that doesn't work, maybe we ought to get God in the middle of this. And what Jacob should have understood is prayer ought to be his first resort. But you know, as I study this passage of scripture and I see the heart of Jacob and the self-sufficiency and the actions that Jacob is taking, so often I can see myself in this. I think if you're honest with yourself many a times, you'd say, I see myself in it as well. We worry. We become afraid. We strategize. We try to figure this out. And if none of that works, let's pray. When the first response of the believer ought to be before we worry, before we strategize, before we get upset, why don't we just learn to pray? Why don't we learn to seek God? I'll tell you why we don't learn to seek God, because we're self-sufficient. Unfortunately for many of us, we don't need God until all else has failed. And God is going to teach Jacob a lesson in this self-sufficiency. He's going to teach Jacob a lesson right here because Jacob, in order for Jacob to be where God wants him to be and to do what God wants him to do, Jacob must learn. It's got to be God first. In church, the same is for us. I'm afraid so often we're living our lives self-sufficient. We're husbands, we're wives, we're parents, and we do it in our own power. We make decisions that we think that we want to make for our homes and our families and ourselves. And prayer is the last thing that we always do. Here, Jacob is in the place where he begins to pray. But Jacob doesn't really learn his lesson because I want you to see something in verse number 13. As soon as he's done praying, Jacob goes back and says this. And he lodged there that same night and took of that which came to his hand, a present for Esau, his brother. 200 she-goats and 20 he-goats and 200 ewes and uh, 20, 20, 20 rams and goes through in verse number 15 and divides up the flock as well. And look what the Bible says in verse 16. And he delivered them into the hand of a servant, every drove by themselves and said unto a servant, pass over before me and put a space between the drove and drove. So he divided all of these droves up. So there were several, several droves. So the first set comes and then there's a little bit of a break, then a second set, a little bit of a break, and, and there's five of these droves. And he commanded, in verse number 16, and, and he commanded the foremost, saying, When Esau my brother meeteth thee, 
and asketh thee, saying, Whose art thou, and whither thou goest, and whose are these before thee? Then, then thou shalt say, They be thy servant Jacob's. It is a present sent unto my Lord Esau, and behold, also, he is behind us. I want you to see Jacob goes from flattery to strategy to prayer, and then he returns to flattery again. And there's a pattern here that is so obvious in the life of many human beings. We know we're supposed to pray, so we put prayer someplace down the line. And then just in case prayer doesn't work, we return back to self-sufficiency. Just in case, God, you don't protect me, I'm going to do something that I can protect myself. He knows, he knows how to rig things because he's a deceiver. See, and this is what he's saying in this passage of Scripture. Lord, I trust you, but... But... Have you ever been there? Lord, I trust you, but I need to... What are you saying? Lord, I trust you, but you need my help. That's what Jacob is saying here. Lord, remember what you said. Remember about Abraham. Remember about uh, uh, um, Isaac. Remember, remember all the things you promised me. Lord, I want to remind you that you've uh, told me you were going to bless me. I want to thank you for all these blessings. And then he stops praying, and the very next day, he goes back to being Jacob again. Don't miss this, please. Because I believe as I've studied this, as I've prayed this, I've seen this in my own life, so often this is our pattern. Lord, I trust you, but just in case, I need a backup plan. Just in case, I need to be self-sufficient. And look what he does in Genesis 32, verse number 20. Genesis 32, 20, the Bible says this, And say ye moreover, behold, thy servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him with the presence that goeth before me. Let me ask you this question. If he's going to appease Esau with these presents, is he really trusting God for protection? Not at all. Jacob's in a, in a, in a tough place. Jacob needs God. And God has promised already that he was going to protect him. God gave a covenant through his great, his grandfather, Abraham, and through his father, Isaac. And now to Jacob, God has a plan in place and God is going to protect him. And God doesn't need Jacob's help. But guess what Jacob doesn't realize yet? That God doesn't need Jacob's help. In church, guess what most of us need to understand? God doesn't need your help. And God doesn't need my help. But why do we continue to go back to being self-sufficient? I want you to write this down, number two. God may allow hurt, but he will not harm. In order for us to come to this place where we recognize that God is in control and he is all we need, God's going to protect us, but he's not going to enable us. And secondly, God is going to allow hurt, but he's not going to harm you. Go with me to Genesis 32, verse number 24. That night, 
Jacob was left alone. And there he wrestled with a man until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And this is what Jacob said. My name is Jacob. My name is Jacob. In Genesis 32, verse number 24, down through verse number 27, we read that Jacob is alone and finds himself in a wrestling match with God. God is trying to do something with Jacob, and he wants to get him away from self-sufficiency. So you know what he's going to do? He's going to allow hurt to come, but this is not going to harm Jacob. Look with me in Genesis 32, verse number 25. In, in 26 again, he said, I, uh, he, he, he wrestles with him. He, for, he prevails not. He, God touches the hollow of his thigh and, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint. And from that point forward, Jacob began to walk with a limp, with a rod. God reaches and touches Jacob's thigh. You know what Jacob realizes? In verse number 26, he said, he said, let me go. And, and for the day breaketh, this is the, this is the angel saying this to, to Jacob. And Jacob says unto him, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Jacob through this hurt, Jacob through this, this difficult situation, Jacob is going to realize that his only hope is in God. Jacob is going to understand at this point, you know what, all the, the scheming and all of the, the bargaining and all of the deception and all the things that I've done that I've, I've been self-reliant and self-sufficient with, you know what, I realize I need God. And God allowed this hurt to come into his life, but he hurt him, but he didn't harm him. Something now from this point forward physically is going to change. And also Jacob himself is going to change from this encounter with God. And God was going to give Jacob something physical to continue to remind him. From that point forward, the Bible tells us that now Jacob now would, would limp as he's walking. He would have to walk with the cane because he touched his thigh. And from that point forward, Jacob no longer walked the way he walked. And also from that point forward, Jacob's name was changed to Israel. Jacob realizes his only hope is in God. Jacob, who was scheming, and Jacob, who was bargaining before, now God hurts him, but God doesn't harm him. And don't li listen to me closely here. Because so often there are things that God allows in our life, and He allows those things in our life because He's going to get our attention. And he's not allowing those things to harm us. Yes, they may cause hurt. And yes, it may make changes. But he's putting those events in our life on purpose to get us to the place where we stop relying upon our wisdom and what we think and what our desires and what we want for our life and come to the place where we understand that our only hope is in God. You see, sometimes we miss what God's doing. Every single time something comes into your life and you get upset about it and you get bitter about it and you start blaming God and others about it, you're missing what God's doing. None of us like hurt. 
God's not allowing that hurt to harm you. He's allowing that hurt to change you. We're too reliant on ourselves. You say, I'm not relying on myself. We have an opinion for everything. We have an opinion for everyone. We have opinion for everything. And whole, listen to me. When we come to our place that our opinion is more important than what God wants for us, we're in trouble. And God is not going to allow us to stay there for his child. We need God's wisdom for our life. Would you write this down in your heart someplace? God loves you too much to let you stay, stay, stay self-reliant or self-sufficient. God loves you too much to let you stay self-sufficient. As I thought about that point, I think so often as my children growing up, I had to discipline them. You know what discipline does? It hurts. I don't remember a time where I ever had to discipline one of my children, whether it was spanking or any, any, any form of discipline, where they thanked me for it because it felt good. I don't ever remember that. But I remember many a times them saying this, it hurts. What do we say? It's supposed to hurt. Why is it supposed to hurt? Because we're trying to get your attention. Because we want you to get your attention so that it changes your behavior. And so often God allows hurt to come, but he allows the hurt to come to change your behavior. But I want you to understand this, that discipline, when it's done properly and from a loving heart, it may hurt, but it doesn't harm. It keeps you from harm. There may be events in God's life that he allows you to hurt, but he's doing this hurt to keep you from harm because you in your own strength and your own power will mess up every single time. And God loves you too much for you to say self-sufficient. I want you to write this down. Number three, and I'm done. I see this in this passage of scripture. God breaks you, but his intent is to bless you. God may break you, but only for the intent of blessing you. Look with me in Genesis 32, verse number 27. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel for as a prince. Hast thou the power with God and with men? It has prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray thee thy name. And he said, wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of that place Benial, for I have seen God face to face. And my life was preserved. Thirdly, God may break you, but his intent is to bless you. God touched the thigh of Jacob and it broke him. And then what did God turn around and do? He blessed him. He asked Jacob, what is your name? And he came to the place where Jacob had to admit, I'm a con artist. 
It reminded me of that time in the Old Testament, back in the Garden of Eden, when God said to, to, to Adam, Adam, where are you, Adam? Now, God knew exactly where Adam was, but God wanted Adam to understand where Adam was. And the same thing is true here as he says to Jacob, what is thy name? Here's God wrestling with Jacob. Did you think God didn't know who he was wrestling with? Do you think God was, was confused? No, God knew who he was, but he wanted Jacob to understand, Jacob, what is your name? And Jacob said, my name is Jacob, and that is con artist and self-sufficient and, 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 and deceiver. And God then said to Jacob, I'm going to change your name to Israel, and now your name is going to mean prince. But now he has a limp. And God has broken him with this limp only for the intent of blessing him. God was getting Jacob to the place where Jacob understood my life isn't for me. And I've got to stop deceiving and manipulating and trying to do everything I can for Jacob. And I just need to be fully surrendered and given to God. And when he came to that place, it changed. He wanted Jacob to recognize who he was so that God could change him. And don't listen to me, so often God may hurt you so that you recognize who you are. There's some in this room today, your name is lazy and God wants to change you. But you first have to call it. Maybe you're lustful. And God is going to bring hurt in your life because of your lust. And he wants to change that in your life. Maybe you're a doubter. Maybe you're a liar. Maybe you're a deceiver. Maybe you're full of selfishness. And God is calling out your name through this hurt, trying to get your attention so you recognize that is who I am in my own strength. And God wants to change you. You see, Jacob is crippled so that he might be crowned. Jacob is crippled, and God says, now I'm going to make you a prince. Jacob is hurt so that he might be blessed. He goes from the name of shame to Hebrews 11, the hall of fame. The rest of his life, he walks with a limp on a staff. Go back to Hebrews 11, would you please? He's leaning upon the top of his staff. As you read chapter 11, why would God put in there leaning on the top of his staff? What does that have to do with anything? Because that moment that Jacob had to now lean on the top of his staff from the beginning of that time was the time that Jacob surrendered himself to God and God was able to use him. God uses you once he breaks you. Hear me, church, don't get mad and bitter when God is molding your life. Don't get upset with God when trials come. Don't run every time a sorrow comes because God is using that. And yes, breaking hurts. But he's using that to get you to the place where you understand self-sufficiency is not what God's after. 
He's after total surrender. And I know in my life, God is bringing me to the place where I understand this. I don't have the answers for everything. And if I could say, God, take away all the sorrows, take away all the pain. Mo, it's in the sorrow and the pain where God molds me and makes me realize who I really am. I'm not as strong as I want to portray I am. I'm not as smart as I want to portray that I am. I'm not as wise as sometimes I think I am. So you know what God does? He touches you. He breaks you. He gets you to the place where you have to say, I am not sufficient in myself. I need God. You just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church. If it was a help to you, make sure that you let somebody know about it. If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org. And we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. Have a great week and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.